the lesson this morning. I, I want to do a character study. Um, a number of years ago, there was a, a man, the first time I met him, I went to a gospel meeting with my dad, and when he got done preaching, I was young enough that I went to the door and I stood with him at the back door. And um, when people were filing out, I remember this one man in particular, and I remembered him because his nose had been broken so many times, it just kind of, instead of going out, his went in. Um, I guess he played football before the helmets, you know, and the face masks, but Anyway, when he came out, I remember my dad grabbing his hand, and as he went on to pass by, my dad didn't let go. And they held hands for a minute, and my dad said, you know what you need to do. And he said, I know, I know. And um, he went out. You know, that kind of shocked me as a child that he had that kind of a discussion with him at the door. Um, this man then began to take a, a real interest in... You know, I played baseball, and every game that I was there and, and pitching, he was there in the stands, and he he was constantly an encourager, um, wasn't a member of the church. So I remember the day that when my dad got done preaching, that man walked down the aisle and responded to the invitation and was baptized. I also remember that it wasn't but about two months until... He had studied with and baptized his wife, his oldest son, his youngest son, and his daughter. They all were baptized. And they lived, and they were faithful, and, and they were at every service. And, and there wasn't ever a time that he wasn't engaged in every extracurricular thing that took place. Uh, you know, he didn't, he wasn't just there for worship. If we're doing something on Monday, you can count on me to be there. If somebody needs help doing this, I'll be there to do it. If someone needs carried over here, I'll carry them over here. One of the most active men I've ever seen. He lived long enough to obey the gospel and to convert his family. And then his wife died. And I don't know what that did to him. But his desire to live left him. And his desire to serve God left him. After the death of his wife, he, I don't know, he became angry with God, disillusioned with God, and he quit attending services. It wasn't long till his children quit driving themselves to services because dad wouldn't go, they, they didn't go either. And it wasn't long until the whole family had turned their back on the Lord. And he died in that condition. I've often looked back at his life through the years and I've thought, there's a case of a man who just lived too long. I mean, had he died three years earlier, he would have died as faithful as a person can be. But... Something happened in the latter years of his life. He ended up undoing the things that he had done for the Lord in, in previous years. He's not the only person that has ever done that. There's a series of books that maybe you have seen. Um, they may even be in our library back here. But uh, a number of years ago, uh, there was a series of books, and I don't know if the Gospel Advocate or, first or 21st Century Christian or wh whoever did it, 
but it was great preachers of today. It was a series of the best sermons of some of the great preachers of today. And the interesting thing is that when you look at that sermon set of books, that, that, that series that was published, many of the guys that were published in those books didn't stay faithful to the Lord. They lived too long or they outlived their faithfulness. I think of Enoch in the Old Testament when it says of him that he walked with God for 300 years. I know people that might say, oh, I wouldn't want to walk with God for that long. I wish I would die well before that. There's a man who was faithful, who was committed to God, that he could live for 300 years and be a faithful disciple of God. There was a man by the name of Hezekiah, and I believe that he too lived just a little bit too long. Let's go and look at what the Bible says about this king and see if we can't uh, learn some lessons from his life. First of all, let's start out with, if you have your Bible, you might want to open it to 2 Kings chapter 20. But let's start out with the good about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king, and um, he was a good king. And Probably the first thing that strikes me about Hezekiah is that he overcame his upbringing. Because his father was one of the most wicked kings in Judah. And he didn't follow in his father's footsteps. How many people have you heard use that as an excuse for their behavior today? Oh, I can't help being who I am because after all, you know, my mom and dad or my dad was this or my mom was this and, and I just can't help. I'm just the product of them. I grant it, there are obstacles that make it harder when your parents aren't what they ought to be, but they are not an excuse. You have the ability to choose who you're going to serve. Hezekiah made that choice. He said, I know who my dad was. I don't want to be like him. I'm going to be a righteous king. You want to know how bad his dad was? Well, according to the text, 2 Kings chapter 16, 1 through 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 1 through 27, he was an idolater, but not just an idolater. He was one who made his own children pass through the fire. That's an expression of saying human sacrifice. It, um, there was the God of the Ammonites and the Moabites, the, the God called Chemosh, that was half bull and half man, and they would hollow out its stomach and, and they would offer children in the fire. They would heat the stomach part up. It was like a cauldron, and they would throw their children in the midst of this. This man's father did that. I wonder if while growing up, if he ever had thoughts, might he do it to me? He did it to my brother. He did it to my sister. You talk about a bad childhood. Dad randomly chooses siblings to offer up as a burnt offering. He was an idolater. He was, in fact, Second Chronicles says he was so wicked that when his father died, they didn't put him in the tombs with the other kings. They made him be buried somewhere else. 
It was a disgraceful, he was a disgraceful man. Can you imagine like being president and maybe as president you, you pass away and you can't even be buried in Arlington Cemetery. You can't be buried, you know, with uh, honors. They bury you somewhere off because they don't want to acknowledge you in any way. That was his father. So for Hezekiah to be a good, godly king, he did a lot because he overcame his upbringing. He also is promoted or, or something good is said about him in First Kings or Second Kings chapter 8 or 18 and verse 5. He trusted God like no other king before or after him. When you think about that statement, think of how, who are the great kings of Israel? Who would you throw in that category? And when you pick out whoever it was, I mean, there's Solomon who had the wisdom that he had asked for. There's David, a man after God's own heart. There's, there's Josiah. There's, there's great men. But you know what it says of Hezekiah? There wasn't a king before him or after him that sought God like he did. He's a good man. Another thing about Hezekiah was that he did what was right. Chapter 18 and verse 3. Just to be a person, to be able to say of you or of somebody that he did what the Bible says. He, he behaved himself. He conducted himself in, in an ethical fashion. This is Hezekiah. The Bible tells us in Second Chronicles chapter 30 that he uh, cleansed the temple and reinstituted the Passover. The people had not been partaking of the Passover or observing the Passover as they should. And he said, we got to get things right Let's get back to the book. Here's what we're supposed to be doing. And he rededicated the temple, reinstituted the Passover. Um, wasn't done perfectly. And he even asked God to be merciful to them and to overlook their transgression in not following it to the letter of the law. And God forgave them of their disobedience in their attempt to do right. But he was a man who said, we've got to get back to the Bible it's this king who also destroyed the, the brazen serpents. You remember that artifact that God told Noah, or Moses to build, to build this golden or brazen serpent, wrap the serpent around a pole and stick it up, and whoever looks to it would be healed of their, their, um, po- the poison of the venom that, by the snakes that they had been bitten by? He destroyed it. Why would you destroy something like that? I mean, this is, this is like going to D.C. and walking into Washington, uh, you know, the, the Smithsonian Institution, and going in there and taking, you know, Lindy's uh, Spirit of St. Louis and beating it up with a baseball bat. Who would ever do that? I mean, this is significant. This is a part of our history. And, and Hezekiah took that brazen serpent. He said, destroy it. You know Why? They were worshiping it. They had substituted it for God. It had become a trinket, a good luck charm, just like they had done with the Ark of Covenant earlier. Instead of allowing God to be their victor, they were trusting in a thing to bring their victory. And they were trusting in this stick rather than in the God who commanded the stick to be made. And he said, I'll have none of that. Destroy it. This is how dedicated he was an artifact of such great value and importance 
well, he says, was Nehushtan, which means just a thing of brass. It meant nothing to him because it rivaled God. So here we're dealing with a man who is a good, good man. But the Bible tells us that he got sick. And so the Lord sent Isaiah the prophet to him to say, you're going to die. And Isaiah came to him and said, here's what I need you to do. You need to set your house in order because the Lord has sent me to you to tell you that you're going to die. I guess that's a gift. I don't know that I would want to know the day of my... I guess it would worry me, you know, if I knew that, you know, but this is God because of his favor that he's had to Hezekiah, toward Hezekiah, he wants Hezekiah to know, you're not going to be here much longer. I'm going to take you out of the world. I want you to get your house in order. I don't want you to leave things undone. I want you to be prepared. And so that gift was given to him, but boy, it tore him up. He turned his head toward the wall, the text says. I can just see him. A man leaning against the wall with his head against the wall, buried in the wall. And he wept bitterly. He cried. He didn't want to die. When we're all faced with our own mortality, doesn't it elicit an emotional response from us? We, you know, we want to live as long as we can. We want to enjoy life. Life is supposed to be good. And Hezekiah wasn't ready to die. And he cried and he cried. And before Isaiah had gotten out of the courtyard, the Lord spoke to him and said, Go back. I've heard him crying. And because he is who he is, I'm going to give him 15 extra years. And I'm going to delay the... Uh, the Assyrians are not going to, going to take him. Uh, they were being oppressed at this time. I'm going to let him live in peace for another 15 years. So Isaiah goes back in and he says, Hezekiah, the Lord has heard your prayers. He's been touched and he's going to grant you 15 more years of life. Wow, what a gift. When you know that you're going to die and you're not ready and you don't want to die, to be given 15 more guaranteed years... You can imagine the weight that was taken off of his shoulders. But that gift ends up being not so good for Hezekiah because of what he did with those last 15 years of his life. Had Hezekiah died when Isaiah came to him and said, set your house in order, you're going to die, he would have had an impeccable record, a faithful servant of God, in the midst of a very difficult time. But he didn't die then. He's given 15 more years. And here's what happens in those 15 years. He, number one, gets lifted up in his heart. He became full of himself. Pride got in the way. You see, there were some people that came from Babylon that had heard that he was sick, and so they were coming and bringing gifts. And when these guys got there, well, boy, Hezekiah is just feeling good now. He's not sick anymore, and he wants to, he wants to show off. And so he takes those Babylonians and shows them everything he owns. 
He takes them into their armory. Do you let opposing countries come and see your latest military stuff and your stockpiles and and what you have by way of armaments and so forth? You don't do that, but he did. He took them and showed them all of his riches, all of his wealth. He he showed them everything. Number one, that's just kind of disgusting, you know, can you imagine just somebody say, oh, and look what, look what else I got. And I got this, and I got this, and I got this. And, and oh, I have this too, and this, and this, and this. You know, after a while, that, that gets old. But all of these things he had were not because of him, but because of God. He didn't give God credit in this. He lifted himself up. Wow, look at me. Look at what I've accomplished while I've been king. I'm something pretty special. Pride goes before a fall. A haughty spirit before destruction. Um, He sinned in his pride. Pride, you know, those seven things that God says are an abomination. Pride is one of them. And you know why? It's just so inconsistent and so incongruent with, with who we... How dare we be proud What do we have to be proud of? We're sinners saved by God's grace at best. We make too many mistakes. We have too many flaws. We're too much like the worst in the world to ever cop an attitude of pride. It's hypocrisy. And so God doesn't delight in this. And then the next thing we learn from his extra 15 years Three years into this 15 additional years, he had a son. And that son's name was Manasseh. And I don't know if you remember who Manasseh was, but when Hezekiah dies, Manasseh takes over, and he reigns for 55 years as king. And he was as wicked a king as Judah ever saw. Had Hezekiah died when he was supposed to have died. Manasseh would have never been born. Judah would never have had to suffer under his long reign. And it was because of Manasseh, God said, man, I'll tell you what, this guy is so bad. I'm going to wipe Israel clean like you do a plate. That's how disgusted and angry God was with the reign of Manasseh. Just scrape it completely clean. That's what he was going to do to Jerusalem because of him. So here's a man who is a faithful child of God, who had done great things, and who, if he had died, we would be singing his praises, but he lived too long. During that extra time that God gave him, he became proud, proud, haughty. He had a son that eventually would just wreak havoc in Jerusalem. And the question that I want to leave you with tonight or today is I want us to make sure that we don't live too long. What I mean by that is I want you to live as long as you can. But what I mean by that is don't ever outgrow your faithfulness to God. Don't ever let circumstances 
whatever it may be, cause you to turn your back on God. Stay faithful. Uh, Stay focused. If we can draw three points of application that I want to make from this lesson. One is, remember, your background is no excuse. I don't know how bad it was for you. I do know that some of you have had really rough backgrounds, and you've overcome that. And I know that there's a challenge to overcoming, but there's no excuse not to overcome. It's harder. It's more difficult. But you have the right to make up your mind to serve the Lord. Hezekiah had a terrible home, but he said, I'm going to serve the Lord, and he did. A second thing that I want you to realize is the power of prayer. Here, Hezekiah is praying, crying, weeping bitterly because he got news that he's going to die. And God heard him and granted him 15 years more life. We still serve the same God. Let's pray. Let's be a people of prayer. Not for just selfish purposes, but there are things concerning the kingdom of God, the spread of the kingdom, the, the, the welfare of our families, the, the welfare of the church. Let's be praying about those things and see if God doesn't intervene. And oftentimes he does and we never even know it. We don't know what would have happened had he not intervened. Prayer is powerful. And the third thing that I want us to remember is that our past and our, fu- our present, for that matter, doesn't secure our future. You may have, for the past 30 years, served God as faithfully as anyone has ever served Him. You may at this moment be serving God and have a zeal that's burning in your heart like you have never felt before. You are on fire for the Lord, more so than ever before. That doesn't guarantee tomorrow. Here's a man who was in that situation. He had been and was a faithful child of God, and he blew it during that extra time that he was given. He became unfaithful, or at least he lifted himself up, uh, became haughty, and uh, found the Lord's disapproval in that. Don't turn your back on God. Don't get so close to the end and throw it all away. Don't undo what you spent your life trying to accomplish in your last years. Swallow your pride. Don't fight for your rights to the point that you hurt the cause that you were trying to build your whole life. Learn to follow God humbly and to seek Him in all things. And may we serve Him to the day that we die. Don't give up on God. Don't make the mistake that Hezekiah made. Don't be one who, when they review your life after you're dead and gone, they say, you know, he or she just lived a little too long. Don't let that be you. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a child of God. I hope that you obey the gospel. Don't wait until the end of your life to serve Him. Give your life to Him now and live with enthusiasm the rest of the time that you have in service to Him. Maybe you've obeyed the gospel, but you've been unfaithful and, you know, or just kind of mediocre. You've just been kind of hanging around, but you've never really given yourself fully to the cause. 
Maybe today's the day you want to do that. If you're not yet a child of God, we'll assist you in being baptized into Christ. And if you are a child of God, but you just need to recommit yourself, you don't want to waste your years. You don't want to live or outlive your faithfulness. Get your life right. We'll pray with you. And uh, if we can be of any service to you, won't you come as we stand together and sing?